Hello everyone and welcome to Avantika Designering Series or ADS as we like to call it. Every week on Wednesday, we feature design and technology leaders who share their professional journey, their thoughts on their domain of work and designering where the world of design and engineering meet. Make sure you follow us on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter. And with that, let's continue with your show. Our world has been encountering various challenges today. Among them, one of the most important ones is environment and sustainability. Sustainability has been one of the recent buzzwords. Even though the word has been used very frequently across industries, the concept in itself is relatively very young. One such company that has been at the forefront of sustainable innovation for a long time is Adidas. The iconic tagline, impossible is nothing, resonates with profound meaning, incorporating the idea of being imperishable. The brand imbibes the impactful term such as sustainability and innovation, something that has been part of their value system. And today, we bring you the leader from Adidas who has worked globally, contributing and engaging in building sustainable solutions at Adidas. Tanya Razwa Sahanga was the technology innovation manager at Adidas. With her passion for driving innovation in her organization, she has developed products that not only speak to people, but also compel to become a part of their lifestyle. With this, let's get into a conversation with her on discovering designering while talking about Rethink, Reuse, Recycle. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you for joining us on Avantika Designering Series. It's a pleasure to host you on our show. Uh, thank you, Rohit, for having me. I'm definitely very happy to be uh, able to take part in your series. As I've shared, I, I love the vision of Avantika University. So thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for that encouragement, Tanya. To start with, um, you know, in the given COVID landscape, it has exposed a lot of things wrong with the way we live. How important do you think sustainability in fashion is going forward from here? I would say it's very, very important, but I, I actually want to step out and just look at a bigger picture um, before zooming into the fashion landscape with you. Um, the way in which we live, or I think what, what we've been able to see during this COVID-19 phase, phase is that the most important thing is really humanity and nature. And although it's something which we almost want to move past with um, technology and um, you know all our amazing ability that we want to stretch and move as scientists and engineers and designers, if we move past and forget the most fundamental thing, which is humanity, community, honoring nature, looking after that, 
whatever developments we create at one point will conflict. And I think that's what we've seen with COVID-19, um, you know, where we've got examples of cities or, you know, the satellite overviews of nations and countries and even the world that have shown just how much, um, I would say in this time of reduced productivity, the world has begun to heal itself. And that's what we're addressing in fashion. You know, when, when you then sort of zoom into a landscape of one industry, what you're dealing with is then how does the decisions that I make as an innovation manager or as a designer or as an engineer in my industry impact the world? And that's what we're trying to solve, but it's a holistic thing because it's multiple industries. So it goes beyond fashion. It goes to technology. It goes to science and everything else. So, yeah, to answer your question, I, I, I really think that there's there's a lot that has been exposed, as you rightly say, and, and fashion is only one place to begin addressing it. Oh, that's so inspiring and wonderful to hear. So here is a food for thought. If the entire population was to wear masks all year round, how can we innovate for it? That's an interesting question, Rohit. How can we in innovate for wearing masks all year round? Ideally, I would like to say we shouldn't need to innovate for that. Ideally, we should start to innovate to solve the problem so that we get rid of masks. Everybody wants to breathe and breathe freely. So yes, you can design a mask that enables you to do that as best as possible. You can design a mask which has the right type of material to you know, reduce the amount of um, particles that can permeate the membrane of your fabric, of your cell structure, whatever it is that technology you want to look at, 3D, 4D, you know, there's amazing things happening out there in science. But I want to go back to my first comment. Why are we innovating to fix a problem or plaster a problem with a bandage? The real problem needs to be addressed. We shouldn't be pruning the, you know, pruning the problem, we need to address the root. And, and I think that's, that, that's the innovation. People should be free. I, I should be able to see um, my little daughter, my little nieces and nephews, your, your children, your nieces and nephews, running around with freedom without having to worry about air quality and how they breathe and fear of catching an airborne disease. So let's solve that problem. Absolutely. Let's, let's hope to see those days again very, very soon. So moving from the current situation, uh, Tanya, uh, you know, for starters, can you give us a quick recount into your journey so far, your professional journey so far? Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, I started out uh, just, you know, much like everyone else, uh, a little kid growing up, uh, and asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I grew up around uh, men and women uh, in my family who were hands-on creators. Um, my uncle um, manufactured cars, my mother and my aunt's uh, fashion business. So I grew up around this idea of creating, of innovating, of using your hands to solve the problems around you. And that's really what I wanted to pursue. My um, chosen field of application was then fashion. Um, so I wanted to learn how to make clothes and I went back and I literally lead and I still do this today. I always lead by the question. My, my question was simple. How do you make clothes? So I learned how to sew. 
once I learned how to sew, my question was, how do you make the fabric, right? Because great, I'm buying the fabric, I'm buying the pattern. So I went back to university and that's what, um, that's what I studied, textile engineering, learned how to make fabrics, um, learned how to engineer my own patterns for the garments. And then I wanted to work in industry. So it was, you know, where's the peak of application that I can go into? And um, I'd worked for two other companies already in the fashion industry. And I ended up in the sport, sports world, um, sporting innovation environment, because for me, that was a level 10 of application of what fashion ought to do. Um, so that meant I ended up in Adidas, which is an amazing place to be. I was in the innovation team, so really core central part of the brand where all of the innovations happened, worked on some of the 2012 product campaigns, worked on some of the innovations that were used in the Tour de France, worked on some of the innovations that um, were used in the World Cup and learned the commercial side of the business, how that all, how that machinery all works globally, the interactions, China, um, Turkey, you know, literally the whole world, Europe, America, um, and then went back into the innovation world, stepped out of the commercialization part of the business and um, started really applying that towards solving um, issues such as sustainability and then understanding that technology is a tool, understanding that um, textiles are a tool and, and how do you then begin to create product to answer questions. Um, and so that's where you start to see then uh, my, my presence in a more open platform with Future Craft Loop and sharing with the world some of the work that myself um, and the team that I was leading um, did. And I think uh, that's, that's really been my journey and now taking it a step forward um, since last year, um, Q4 of last year, I stepped outside of the brand. And it's really been for me a question of how do you continue that conversation but beyond one brand, because one thing which is very clear for me and very, very clear to the world as a whole is that this thing is nothing which can be solved by um, having a singular lens, you know, our brand, our story. It's something which is collaboration. It's something which goes cross industry. It's something which goes cross skills and cross um cross uh, ability. So I need to know how to think as a designer as much as I need to know how to how to think as an engineer as much as I need to know how to think as a lawyer and that's what I've been doing for that's my journey um as far as training goes from engineering all the way up um and then now with 37 thanks which is the name of my um, agency company and the team there our work is literally to work with cross industry to work with the whole world the conversation should not be tilted toward one side of the globe. The conversation should include everyone. The conversation should, and correctly so, include cross-industry. So we should see um, sporting industry partnering with um, technology industry, partnering with the classic fashion industry, medical industry. And that's the journey that I'm on right now. So I'm really interested in engaging with institutions as well particularly where we have the youth that are coming up and the younger generation coming up so that they come into the workforce with this right mindset and they're not sort of trying to self-correct when you find yourself in an environment with a skill set that doesn't match. So, yeah, that's, that's my journey as much as I can um, put it into a nutshell in a short time for you. So that's very exciting. You moved from being a designer to an entrepreneur now. But coming back to your designing journey, how does mm. your design process look like? 
so I, I like this word design because we typically use it for, um, you know, drawing pretty pictures that translate into pretty product. Um, for me, the journey is is actually very very symbiotic, and it's um, and it's something which happens in parallel. So um, I I will go ahead and use the term design because I, I I hope I understand where you're coming from in that. For me, the journey starts with the problem. It doesn't start with the technology. It starts with the problem, and it starts by then applying known technologies if they are there or solving to identify new solutions to then apply to solve your problem. That solution might translate into a product. It might translate into a designed process, which is why I say it's a mindset, it's an application, it goes beyond product and a picture. Um, and, I, and I don't want to minimize anybody's skill set. I myself am trained in design, I'm trained in engineering. Um, but I, I want to share that mindset and that skill set and that approach to doing things, which says you start with the problem and then you work backwards. You start with the end in mind. And this is something which I talk about really um, often, that we begin with the end in mind and then we, we engineer for that. We, we create for that. And the danger that happens, I find, um, having worked in both ways, is when you begin with the technology or when you begin with um, uh, an opportunity uh, that you see as far as uh, a tool, a tool to sort of retrofit into a problem, then you uh, you miss the mark as far as um, being intuitive to your desired user. And then you're kind of almost trying to encourage and um, explain to your user why they need whatever it is you've designed. I think that as designers, the, the, the process always should begin with the problem. What problem are you solving? That's the question. Exciting. Uh, so I, I want to shift your attention uh, to a conversation that we've been doing on our recent podcast. So we've understood the importance of brand supporting communities. What mm. responsibilities do you think designers and innovators have to marginalized communities? Again, let's let's look at the problem. I, for me, I, I see things very, very top level and then I'm able to deep dive. So I like the question which you bring because you step outside of the world of product and um, into the world that we have. And I think that there is a big, big, big gap um, when we as creators fail to or miss to um, engage with the communities that use our product. Again, I, I talked at the beginning about um, humanity and I talked at the beginning about the overall picture of the, the world. Um, and it, it applies the same for products. You know, you, you don't create product for a niche type of person. No one person, no one group, no one community is... Um, singular there are too many layers behind that and i think we need to understand that as product developers and then we have got that responsibility to engage with these communities to engage with different um different expressions of life um to to make sure that our product means and does what it ought to do for each and every person now it might not be my job as the designer because i cannot design for the whole world but what it should not be is that there's one design that's sort of retrofitted 
into people's lives. It ought to be that there are multiple designers, which is why I say even in the sustainability conversation, it cannot be a conversation which is um, dominated or, or leaned toward one side of the globe. It needs to be a conversation which takes everybody um, along and, and has platform for everybody who wants to be heard because what works for me living in Germany may not work for you living in India. And so you know the sustainability solution that's right for you and your community. So as a developer, as a creator, yes, I might create something that you love and that you want to use, but then you should have the freedom to be able to create and go beyond that. And my voice should support you in that. I should not um, restrict you from doing that. And I think that's, the, that's what I think our, as creators and as designers, our role is. It's to nurture conversation, it's to share skills, it's to share ideas, and that should then automatically will translate in sparking inspiration, which shapes these communities that you speak of. That's, that's touching. In fact, seeing as to how sustainable designing has been a moving force to you, what do you think are the roadblocks in fashion industry restricting sustainable fashion from entering the mass brands and markets? I think one of the one of the big barriers or the roadblocks is the way that the industry is set up. And again, it's about beginning with the end in mind. Um, so the way which we create product at the moment is really about churning out product by the season, churning out product by the week. Um, there's amazing innovation business models out there, um, which, 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 which have enabled this and, and the global connectivity technology has enabled all of this that literally from one week to the next I've got a new season a new collection and whoever my retailer is or my distributor is they can um, completely transform and bring that demand to to me if I'm standing in the in the um, place of the consumer to be able to purchase but then when we start to talk about sustainability we start to shift gears all of a sudden because the end of that first model is simply to sell, right? To increase the bottom line. That's the main thing. And when we talk about sustainability from that form of model, sustainability is then the bottom line of the business, the profit margin, the revenue, um, turnover, all of these measures of, of success. When we start to talk about sustainable design, we're shifting gears, we're shifting our approach. And all of a sudden, our end is now different. All of a sudden, our end is now, well, what happens to that product at end of life, for example. Or it's now, how do I source that raw material that has been used to create, I don't know, that laptop or whatever product it is that you're holding in your hands. And then you start to question the model of operation that exists because it doesn't fit perhaps with the end that you need to achieve. So the roadblock that, that is there is to someone else, not a roadblock. I just, I just want to make sure that we really understand that. And then when we talk about sustainable design, what we then have is sort of a set of two camps. Um, one camp is saying, well, this works for us. This is how our business operates and we cannot forfeit profit, which makes absolute sense. So how do you then marry that with new technologies or disrupting or a sense and and this is typically the way that we approach sustainable design that we have to upheave um 
the way which we've done things and that's going to cost and that's going to be a burden that's going to mean painful way of doing things yes 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 perhaps but the other ways of doing things so the conversation or the roadblock that you are mentioning is is really two different mindsets two different ends two different goals and we have to so i just want to bring it to 37 thanks it's finding the harmony between the two and that's something which is honestly really, really, really necessary. And that's what's needed in the industry at the moment. Absolutely. In fact, uh, uh, Tanya, I've, I've uh, read a philosophy that you believe in, which is waste not and want not. Can you elaborate yeah, on um, that? It's, a, it's an old adage, actually, um, but I think it's very, very fitting. So going back to the um, concept, so I, I shared that uh, philosophy or that adage in the concept of um, Futurecraft Loop and the work which I did there when I was um, leading that work stream in Adidas. And I mean, it's a really simple, it's a really, really simple thing. If we sort of just take a step back from this conversation, fashion industry, innovation, and so, and we step to sort of world shifting moments like the war or wars that happened, Second World War, First World War, etc. you find there that people there's an in, there's an ingenuine there's an ingenuine um, ingenuous spirit that's sort of developed and an ingenuity that comes out from people in that time where because you know that you are um, in a in a time where you are restricted your ability to be able to move your ability to be able to access a certain type of material whatever it might be or even if we talk about COVID nineteen right now there's so many um, amazing Uh, innovations that are coming forward now because there's a need and I think when we talk about waste not want not what I'm simply saying is it's a philosophy you need to approach when you when you wear clothes why do you go out and have this approach of buy and throw away buy and then throw away why not look at it in a different way why why is it that as businesses we are trained to create in this way could there be other models of generating profit that still allow us to have this um, holistic um, uh, and relationship with, with our environment, the environment which we operate in? Because when I talk about waste not, want not, with future path loop in this example, um, it's the wanting is not for the sake of product. You know, you can order a million pairs of shoes if you wanted and they'll arrive on your doorstep. The wanting is the cost that that's doing to the environment. It's the cost that that's, that that's costing us for tomorrow. Our ability as far as access to the resource that, you know, the raw oil, that I, the crude oil that I need to be able to transform into whatever form of monomer, which is transformed into polymers, which then additives and this, that and the other. And you, you move across the whole value chain. That's now being compromised because of the way of just being churning out. And that's sort of the mindset which I'm questioning and what which I question with that statement, waste not, want not. If we don't waste, we will not want. If we understand, in other words, understanding the value of what you are holding and not taking it for granted allows you to always have to be in a constant state of being provided for and having enough and never needing to lack because you understand that every single thing serves a purpose and serves toward um, toward keeping you, actually, if we keep it very simple, it, it serves towards keeping you. So don't 
it, it's, it seems very simple, um, made as a, as a phrase and glib almost, but that's really what, what that phrase um, means. Waste not, want not. You are holding the answer in your hands already. And if we start to look at that in terms of business models, you look around the world and you see, I look in this amazing, amazing sustainability innovations. I've, I've been very, very fortunate to work on multiple. Not all are public, not all are known. Um, and not all I'm able to share yet because they're new ventures that I'm working on with other companies. But all of, all of what I see is remains constant is that the solution is always something that was on your doorstep. We, we almost never have to go too far to find it. And that's the idea of waste not, want not. Change your perspective. What are you holding and what can you do with it? I, I hope and we truly believe that, um, you know, if each of our listeners and everyone here can start adopting um, the this, this principle, I think the world can be a very, very beautiful place to live in. Oh, yeah. Can I just add to that? Um, sorry, sorry to cut you in, Rohit. Um, because of the fact that you're in India, I have to say, I've seen really amazing sustainability innovations coming out of India. And you can tell that they're innovations which are literally coming out of the lifestyle, the Indian lifestyle. Um, excuse me for generalizing, but, and, you know, eva- evaluating those, those technologies, whether it's because I'm a judge sitting on um, one panel or uh, looking at innovations, or whether it's because I'm um, in innovation or in industry, I've, I've sat in a, in a few chairs where, I've had an opportunity and I see really amazing things coming out of India beyond IT. Um, and, and, I, and I think it, it goes to that sort of mindset again. And I always find that the truest innovations, the most meaningful innovations and the ones which really are applicable in life are the ones that come from the, the way that's intuitive and true to the way you live. And, and I, I, I honestly really have to say that India is one of the countries which I'm quite fascinated by when it comes to that perspective so yeah waste not one not is something that i'm seeing already and have seen coming from there and a couple of examples come to mind thank you so much and i i truly feel very very proud uh you know that that uh, appreciation coming from you so tanya you've been speaking consistently about the word technology and uh, while it's been revolutionizing every field where is it taking the fashion industry? Where do we see wearable technology meet fashion? I think this wearable technology question is uh, something which, which is one of those ongoing ambitions, much like circularity was not until too long ago, you know, when, when um, um, my team and I were able to deliver Future Path Loop and showcase examples, just as other teams around the world. And I see wearable technology as an interesting perspective um, towards sort of our interaction as sort of very physical, tactile human beings with the space of digital and the space of um, connectivity into other worlds, um, VR and so on. Uh, what I would say as far as where's the meeting of fashion, wherever that point is, um, I, I want to add a couple of uh, addendums to that. Most of the solutions that I've seen in this space and that, that I've, I've had the opportunity to sort of analyze or um, evaluate are very questionable as far as it comes to being um, sustainable. And forgive me if I'm speaking uh, 
and somebody out there, you know, has, has developed something which is absolutely new. But I'm just speaking from the level of technology, which I've evaluated. I've evaluated quite a few, um, mostly for the sporting goods industry in that context, because you can imagine wearable technology for sports is an amazing opportunity. But I have to say that I think this industry or this opportunity is still very, very young. And as I say, it's it's an opportunity space. It's it's an amazing, ambitious space for the industry as a whole. I have not yet. In fact, it brings me to a project that um, you know you were a part of the stellar work of uh, on on Futurecraft. So Loop had us all on the edge of our seats. What is in 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 store for it next? What is the phase two? about yeah so uh, with futurecraft loop uh, in 2019 which was in april uh, we launched the product in new york and sort of was a global launch shortly after that japan um, and other cities in europe um and other parts of the world as well and uh that was the first stop and the concept is really simple so i said again waste not want not start with the beginning in mind and everything then was and still is about can it be recycled. So it's a shoe which, which serves a simple purpose, wear it, give it back to the brand, in this case Adidas, and um, allow them to recycle it, and then it will be applied into future shoes. And uh, what we launched in the work which I was leading was, was this sort of first world showcase of saying, nobody's ever done this, but there's a space for us to, to sort of just explore with the world and really ask the world to wear the shoes and give them back to us. And uh, from April in May, we received all the shoes back. I'm talking about May in 2019, we received all the shoes back and recycled the shoes. So I was still within the brand at this point, and I was literally on site at the recycler, seeing the shoes being recycled, um, crushed down into into sort of back into grain, and then uh, formed back into into, uh, components that could be used to create new shoes again. That was all done together. Still, again, at that point, I was leading that um, that workspace um, with with an amazing team, amazing, amazing internal team. And then in November of this year, so shortly after I left the brand, um, the second phase was released public. Um, so I just want to explain that that was launched in April 2019 to a set amount of users. So they were carefully selected um wearers so they were not on a public domain for purchase they were seeded which means given for free um and then in november we did the same so the people who gave back the shoe were allowed to receive the second generation of shoe which was made from um which was made including components from the first one and and only the people who gave back the shoe could wear the second the second phase and that 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 second phase right now so that's already happened um and i can speak to that obviously having been um, an active part of that work and what i can say is that the work definitely continues however i will then not speak too much more into that as i say i'm not representing the brand anymore after that phase of work but what i can definitely confirm and share to you is that that concept was shared to the world was proved on a global scale and the world joined in, in into sort of this open space of as a brand as a team as innovators making making ourselves vulnerable and saying okay guys i think we just need to go out there and share with the world what we've got and see what happens see what comes back and those that engage with us really did engage got it and then for for their engagement also were were able to wear 
um, shoes that had been made from shoes that they previously worn again. And um, yeah, that's the reality. And, and that's real. It's no longer an ambition. It is real. It's being done. Absolutely. In fact, um, Tanya, we at Avantika University coined a term called as designering, which is based on the ideology um, where the world of design and technology blend. Yeah, absolutely. I This is what I mentioned at the beginning, that I'm, I'm a big fan of the concept of Antica University um, because of the fact that you take this sort of hybrid, I, I call it hybrid, um, approach to skills and mindset. And, and I talked about that again, sort of I touched on it a little bit when it came to my journey. Um, not, not easy to summarize um, uh, over almost two decades of um, uh, work, you know, in a, in a few uh, lines or decade and a half. Um, but for me, design and engineering absolutely goes together. And I would even stretch that a bit further. And I would say it's more than just design and technology or design and engineering, um, because those are fairly intuitive fits. But I think somehow um, our systems of education are not, are not yet caught up to the fact that the reality is we need to have this hybrid mindset and this hybrid skill set in the working environment. So I'm happy to hear that the universities around the world are doing that. And I think that's a really exciting space to be in. And I'm, I'm like I, I mentioned that when we first met in India um, and uh, to, to, to all the other times we've spoken, I think Avantika, Avantika's model as a university um, is very noble and is very, very timely. And I cannot wait to just hear more of what you guys do and what comes from that. Thank you. Thank you so much for that appreciation again. So, Tanya, with this, we move on to our segment called as Gyan Vyan. It's an exciting rapid fire round. Um, and here is where I'm going to uh, throw up some questions to you. And we would like to hear your top of the mind responses. So are you ready for this? Absolutely. Let's go for it. All right, Tanya. So if you were a part of shoe in your firm, what part of the shoe would you be? Would you be the sole? Would you be the laces, the midsole? sock liner or something else hmm i would be the color i would be the pigment i would be i would be the the thing that causes it to be beautiful that causes to be attractive and still functional i would be the per, the the thing which is in every single part you know excellent <laughs> that's exciting any any uh, particular color I don't have a favorite color. My color changes every season. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, I would be a pigment which can change. My pigment this this time around, honestly, I haven't thought about it. I would probably say a bright, bright pink. Exciting. And um, Tanya, moving on to our next question. Any one major sustainable decision that you've made in your life? The decision not to waste. It's not a conscious decision. I just grew up like that. And I think um, taking that decision into my career is probably the most conscious decision I've made. And holding others up to accountability and making decisions in boardrooms that upheld that, that's probably the most powerful thing when it comes to sustainability that I've done. So it's not the decision itself not to waste, but upholding that decision and honoring it in boardrooms regardless of who I spoke to. So an extended question of that, would you rather 
be able to erase all form of plastic waste in a snap or have a material that can convert plastic into trees which one would you do i would pick a third option <laughs> sorry i know that that might not be the option but i would pick a third option why because i don't think plastic is bad um i just think that the way we started using it never had the end in mind and now we are faced with uh, you know uh, the results of that not not being forward thinking um i would not want to change plastic into trees because i think trees are holistically beautiful on their own and we learn the most from them um so i would i would pick a third option i i would want to see a material that does what nature can do instinctively within itself you know something which which can form like plastic and then form like a tree at the end of its life so i would like to see something that marries both worlds okay that's exciting so which one are you sneakers or heels uh both it goes to the thing i don't have a favorite it depends on the world i'm i'm in at the moment but sneakers are always comfortable okay <laughs> okay and one innovator that inspires you hmm that's a very good question i've not thought about <laughs> uh to answer you quickly my mom okay and why why your mom why your mom she's she's just good all round <laughs> i can't i can't <laughs> say it more than that okay so the last exciting and fun one which food do you wish could be converted into candy uh which food do i wish could be converted into candy like sweet anything uh vegetables okay and why because they are healthy yeah wouldn't that be amazing you can take your healthy stuff and just eat it like candy <laughs> oh that was exciting tanya that was so such an interesting conversation with you thank you uh talking about your passion for sustainability Absolutely. your passion for environment it was a pleasure hosting you on abantika design hearing series thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me rohit again um and uh, amazing conversation with you Uh, take care take care hey there we hope you enjoyed our show do write to us on ads@avantika.edu.in we look forward to your opinions feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show do tune in our channel next week on wednesday for a new story on hub hopper or wherever you get your podcast from Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter.